Welcome back to Reverse, where we are learning relationship with God one verse at a time. Today's verse, oh man, weighs heavy on my heart. It is Mark chapter 9, verse 23. I am reading from the King James Version. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Again, Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believes. Surely, uh, if you have recognized nothing else in going through the times that this entire earth is going through, especially our nation, You have realized that we are in a time where, even in the pause of everything, what has been done is that there has been an undeniable time of reckoning with oneself, with one's faith, with one's core belief, with one's core of who they are, etc. After it has boiled down to it, this has been a time where I am sure I am not the only one where everything has been shaken down to look what do you truly believe okay as a result of that I would like to again bring up the verse Mark 9:23 uh, where the disciples were asked to cast a demon out of a boy and they could not do it and so the parent of the child the father came to the child I mean to Jesus and said hey I brought my kid to your disciples they couldn't get the job done and um, Jesus exchanged dialogue with him and uh, the man said if you you know can do anything you know help us if there's anything that you can do if you really can do anything Please have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus turned to him and said, If you can believe, (laughs) because all things are possible to anyone that believes. That being said, let me share with you about what I was taught and what has been brought back to my attention, to the forefront of my attention. And all of this time, during all this period of rest, if that's the unrest of the rest or the rest of the unrest, (laughs) whichever way you would like for it to work for you is fine. What has been brought back to my attention is the basics of my faith. I grew up uh, being taught as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. I was taught the Bible. I was taught that you, it's all about love and reconciliation. I was taught, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that Christ died for us. And since he died for us, now we are compelled to go ahead and minister the uh, ministry of reconciliation. Letting everyone know that, hey, the Father sent his Son into the world so that all can be reconciled back to the Father. Um, I was taught, you know, John 3.16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. I was taught... Again, going back to that 2 Corinthians uh, verse 5, that because we are saved, we are to know no man after the flesh. 
okay? We're to see people the way that God sees them. Uh, I was taught that you are supposed to ascribe sin to Satan and not to people. So that you understand, it's very clear, although God hates lying, he hates pride, he hates stealing, he hates those types of things. He doesn't hate the people um, and he doesn't condemn the people per se uh, in one instance of doing something wrong um, or else why would he have sent his son to die for them? And uh, so I have, I am not talking about the unpardonable sin or anything like that. I am talking about if you read the entire Bible, it teaches you that your duty as a son and daughter of God is to manifest the love of God and to minister the message of reconciliation. It was called the good news. It was called the gospel of the kingdom. Um, Good news. And the good news of it was that this unbelievable story, as it would seem, is that there's a father that we all walked away from, that mankind walked away from. You say you're holding us back. You don't want us to be like you. There's something more we need to know. Um, if we don't eat this, if we eat this fruit, we'll become like all that stuff. You know the story probably. And we're going to eat this fruit. And so we, in doing that, we separated ourselves from him uh, because that was the consequence. Um, it actually didn't turn out the way uh, that Satan had made us to believe that it turned out. It turned out the way it is now. And so in that... I was taught that uh, Jesus really did go about doing good and healing, raising the dead, uh, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. I was taught all of that, that everything is about love and that nothing is impossible with God. Uh, Again, even with our scripture here, if you can believe it, I was taught anything you ask the Father in my name will be done you know unto you or for you um I was taught so many things that are just in the bible and um what's interesting to me is that I found out that I am now being asked to forsake what I've come to know about Jesus Christ for to side with various groups or persons or ideas and different things like that in society and I I was taught that everything is spiritual first and that everything should be handled spiritually first Um, now I'm being asked to put that aside and understand that there are some things that just, you know, it's like a no-brainer and um, you don't even need to really speak with God about this. It should be obvious what the uh, course of action and the response and the proper response should be. Uh, I am being asked, not by all, by some, uh, and I'm saying by society as a whole, to lay down whatever it is I have been taught about Jesus and to believe about Jesus and what he can do and what my responsibility to him is and what it means to be a son and a daughter of God to embrace some the passion of 
the cause and the purpose of many different sides um, based upon the issues that are going on in society. I have found that I chose this verse. I actually didn't choose it. I'm not going to lie. The Lord literally gave me this verse. I I had speech and he gave me scripture. <laughs> uh, and so he gave me Mark 9 because um, he started out letting me know that, reminding me, hey, I went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Um, whenever people were um, burdened, oppressed by Satan, possessed, whatever you want to call it, there are many different stories in the Bible that show an example of each. And so the Lord was reminding me this morning, hey, everything's spiritual first. <laughs> I was taught that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Mighty unto God through, uh, to the pulling down of strongholds. I was taught that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, wickedness, our powers in high places, wickedness in high places, powers and such. I, I was taught all of that, and he reminded me this morning of those things. And he said, look, when you look at society and the things that plague it, how can you unsee what is seen clearly? Um, if there is a person who is who has a disease that is caused how can I not, that is caused by um, demonic influence there are sicknesses I believe all sickness comes from Satan yes but there are some that's directly um, attached to uh, demonic oppression and you have examples of that in the Bible Um, so even in this chapter um, where this young son was oppressed okay and so when you have that going on Jesus reminded me hey I just eradicated it I cast it out and the reason why he led me to this chapter specifically today is because he said hey Remind my people that I told my disciples that when they asked me privately why they were unable to cast it out, that I said, it's verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He didn't say that the demonic, uh, the demonic spirit behind it, the entity could not be conquered. He's told them how it had to be conquered. Okay? And again, noting he did not say it could not be conquered. So he can't say if we believe all things are possible in verse 23 and then come down to verse 29 and say that that kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, but then hold the idea that, well, listen, there are just some occasions where you have to handle things a totally different way and you have to figure out how to do it um, and just go with that because you know this this is this is a serious situation here. Okay. I want to know how we have gone from abiding in in God. How can we abide in God in Christ, who is the true vine, right? 
it says apart from him we can do nothing apart from him we can do nothing in him we live and we have our being right how can we now be faced with situations in society that it's clear that are rooted in spiritual issues that it's just demonic oppression in a greater measure in a greater mass so it's upon a city it's upon the marketplace it's upon a nation or nations but how can I unsee what it is how can I unsee that racism is a spiritual thing how can I unsee that the issue with abortion or any of the other things that plague our nation lack of compassion not caring for uh, those who need help different the lack of compassion all kinds of things how can I unsee and say that these things are in fact not spiritual hey these aren't spiritual Jesus Christ was just talking about you know that man's son he did that for that man's son we're talking about a whole nation here we have to handle this differently but wait if we abide in him and apart from him we can do nothing what what are, what are we doing my goal today is not to point out any one side of any issue my goal is to get us to thinking about what it really means when we're talking about this greater glory that everyone's talking about is coming and is already here and going in measure and how can that be apart from or different than or have anything to do um with other than us completely relying upon and obeying God. How? Okay. What I mean by that more simply put is how can I be faced with living in today's society and the issues at hand and then say, oh no, wait, for this particular issue, see what needs to happen is they're going to have to realize what they're doing um, and there's, we got to go about this a different way. And so it's a no brainer. Some things you don't really have to ask God to do. He's already kind of told us or what have you, the basics. And so for this, we can just pretty much do this. But then what happens when all of the body of Christ, because I'm not even addressing those who aren't believers, I'm saying that when all of the body of Christ is completely divided on how to do that issue, you have people saying, hey, you are not a Christian if you do not join at least one or two marches throughout this whole um, issue or what have you. We have people, so now we're having people literally pulling back people's salvation and just flicking it into the air. You're not saved at all if you don't. And I marvel, I marvel at this. And I believe Jesus Christ marvels at this Um, because while I do not disagree uh, with a lot of the reasoning behind anything, well, most things, maybe not say anything, behind most things, my concern and question is, are we being led by the Holy Spirit? The reason why that is so important is because the Lord has told us that in John 15, that he's a true vine, we're branches, and apart from him, we can do nothing. 
what is it that we're going to get done if whatever we're doing is not what he's intended or instructed? We have a whole body. He has a body. Fingers, toes, elbow, knee, different things, okay? Different functions. I do not oppose what the toe is doing with the situation as long as the toe is being led by the Holy Spirit to do such. I don't oppose what the elbow is doing regarding a certain situation as long as they are being led by the Spirit in doing such. Now, to speak to the no-brainer part, let's talk about no-brainers and the fact that, you know, we don't need to ask God about this like per se. I mean, it's simple. It's it. What is simple? The only thing that has ever made anything simple for me is Christ. And I can't be, I can't turn him on and off when I want to for the sake of convenience. Okay. I would like to point to point your attention to David and the battle of Ziglag in the book of first Samuel chapter 30. And I won't, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but the long and short of it is that David and his men came back to Ziklag and they found that their enemy, the Amalekites, had invaded the south, which is Ziklag. They burned it with fire. They took the women and the children and the men, you know, whoever was there captive and, and, and went their way. Okay. David's two wives were taken captive. Like he just, they came back, saw everything on fire, just dismayed. Just utter chaos and devastation. And everyone just wept. Everyone wept. And um, it says that David was greatly distressed. And the people said, were started speaking of stoning David. Look, let's stone him. And that's because the soul of all the people was grieved. Because they, every man for his sons and his daughters. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Okay. So what David ended up doing was he went to God and he asked him, he asked God and David, verse eight, and David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And of course, God answered him, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Okay. Here is what wowed me about this. We are talking about David and we are talking about David who um, as a young man, I don't know if you want to say teenager, just fresh out of teenage years or what have you, defeated Goliath. He was known for fighting and different things like that in his many victories, even by this time. Okay. So we're not talking about someone who is just starting off or anything like that. Okay. Um, as, as a warrior, David did not Say to the Lord, this is a no-brainer. Look, men, we got to go now. Wipe your tears. Let's go. We're going to find them. We're going to kill them and take them down. That's not what happened. David inquired of the Lord. He did not say it's a no-brainer. <laughs> what amazed me, I am still awestruck about it, is that we're talking about David, the worshiping warrior inquired of the Lord when his wives and the children and were taken and he's watching all this stuff. What do you mean you inquired of the Lord? What 
go after them now. You didn't got to ask the Lord that. You don't have to ask the Lord if he wants to restore. You don't have to ask the Lord if he wants you to overcome that enemy. You don't have to ask. It would seem. But what is the Lord trying to tell us because it is recorded that David did inquire of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. He did not consider it a no-brainer. David was known for not just inquiring, not just David, but many people in the Bible were known for inquiring of the Lord, not just to ask them if, but even how to pursue a certain enemy or what have you and to handle different situations because each situation and circumstance and the enemy attached to it and everything differed per circumstance. So they always inquired of the Lord. They understood John 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. The Bible is full of examples of people who failed to inquire of the Lord. And we saw the results thereof. We uh, have seen examples in the Bible where the Lord told them to do something. They didn't do it. They did their own thing. We've seen examples of where they didn't even ask the Lord. They just did their own thing. And then what happened was not the, uh, resulted, the result that the Lord would have wanted. Okay? Now, David inquired of the Lord and asked God, shall I even go them. I think that I can be honest enough to say, I would have said, Lord, how do you want me to pursue? I'm, I'm not even, I would have missed the fact that I need to ask them, do I need to? I'm admitting that. And that's what struck me because what that, the attention that it begs and the question and the statement that has to result from that is David asked because Had the Lord said, no, do not pursue, David would have settled in his heart that he trusted God enough to not do it had that been the Lord's instruction. Does that not wow you when he's sitting here watching all this devastation, all of this dismay, all of this anguish, and you still ask the Lord, shall I pursue It's a no-brainer, but is it? What was being defined as a result of David's question? Humility, trust, faith, belonging to God, truly abiding. That you know best, Lord. Only you know, Lord. And... Not just, there's no assumption here. I'm not going to assume, oh, we going. I just need you to tell me which direction they went in, Lord. That's not what he said. He said, should I even go? The humility, the reverence and respect. That's the fear of the Lord. The reverence and respect that you have for God to, to ask, should I even pursue this truth? knowing full well that everything within him wanted to. Everything within him felt that would have been the right thing to do. That will forever amaze me. Of course, the Lord did respond. (laughs) And he did grant David the victory and everything like that. And of course, they went and recovered all. I just want to... Bring it to our attention today to stay encouraged that 
going back to the Mark 9 scripture, it's not a situation as whether the Lord can do or if he's able to do or willing to do. It's a matter of, can we believe? Do we believe that the Lord who cast demons and different things like that out of people in the Bible that we still preach today, that those miraculous things that are preached that are supposed to still happen today, that it cannot be done for a nation or for nations or for groups of people or whatever, what have you, are we, are you now saying to me to digest, to take in and to embrace that, oh no, that was just back in that time or no, that kind of miracle working is only for physical ailments or for the house, the car, the spouse, or for whatever that, you know, things make us look and feel good uh, or make us get liked by people more or whatever. Are we now, am I now being asked to believe that that's what we are reducing? The word of God, the Jesus that is introduced in this Bible, that this is what he is today. And if Jesus can still heal the sick, raise the dead, all the things he still instructed all believers to do, all believers to do, then what is the disconnect between what occurred then and what's occurring now? You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 has been quoted a lot. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive sin and heal their land. It's being quoted and I am so glad it's being quoted. Here's what amazed me about that scripture that a couple of verses earlier in that he said, look, look, Solomon, whenever there has been a plague or something or something that I have sent or allowed or whatever the case may be, when there's about to be calamity and all types of manner of thing, and it specifically says in the King James Version that I have sent, if my people who are called, then it goes into that. And it says that even if I have sent it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their sin, their wicked way, repent and come to me. I'll do all these things. I will restore. I will forgive. Here's the thing that he taught me about that scripture. He said, those are things that I said that even if I sent it, all the, a lot of these things that we're seeing are not things that I sent. So surely if you repent and turn back to me, surely you can get me to change my mind about the things. Go back and read it for yourself. Please do not take my word for it. Second Chronicles chapter seven. You can get me by prayer and repentance and, and those things to, to change my mind about the things I sent. So all of the things I've heard so many people say, oh no, the Lord did not send this, this is not. Okay, surely the Lord didn't send many of the things. I mean, I don't think the Lord sent abortion or race and different, different things that are being brought up. And I keep hitting on those two because those seem to be two of the major two things that are being spoken of in today's time. Okay. Surely the Lord didn't send that or, or what happened. Okay. But even if he did, it doesn't matter 
Because he said that if his people will turn, then he will forgive sin, heal the land. He'll, he'll restore, he'll forgive. I did a podcast about the simplicity of repentance. The joy and simplicity of repentance according to Isaiah 55 and 7. I hope you go back and listen to it. But he will do these things if we repent. May I just say that repentance is not just a turning away and, oh, I agree with you, Lord. But then not following through. No, 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 no. That's not repentance. Repentance is not just identifying what issue is. Oh, yeah, I can clearly see this happening, Lord, because of this. That's not repentance. Repentance is the total forsaking of one way, turning from, a changing of the mind, and agreeing with, and an agreeing with God about it. But agreement means that I now walk with you. I believe like you believe. I think like you think. I see how you see. I feel how you feel. I desire what you desire. How can two walk together except they agree? So I'm walking with an agreement with God. I'm not just speaking of an agreement. I'm living out an agreement. I am abiding. I am a son and daughter of God. This is the way we are. This is who we are. Okay. We are love. God is love. I'm a child of love and light and life and power and authority. Okay. So if we don't see these things being manifested today, may I present to you that the greater glory that is coming is just that. A greater glory that invites our reintroduction, our participation, our abiding, not pointing fingers with the garden behavior that, oh no, you, she did it. And then he did it. And no one's really saying, look, Lord, it's just all of us. And we're here to agree with you. We're not going to tear each other down. We're just going to agree with you. I'm not here to say any one right or wrong thing about any different way or method of how to approach anything in our society. I am here to say that it cannot be done outside of God and that the things that plague our society are rooted in spiritual things. And the same way that Jesus Christ can cast a demon out of one or the many that he did collectively, he can do it in a nation. Take heart. Repent on all of our behalf, your brothers and sisters' behalf those who are saved and those who are not saved. There's not a person that God created and sent to this earth that he didn't die for, no matter what it is they're doing. Repent on their behalf. God is going to and fro looking for someone who will repent on people's behalf. Be blessed by the hearing, receiving, and the doing of the word of God.